Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Glorio Chat, the best anime podcast on the internet. Number one, little, baby. Yes, we're recording a little earlier than usual today, but I think we're all awake enough to do this, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's not that early. You know, I'm a responsible <laughs> adult. I mean, I I'm saying this. I'm saying this while it's like one. It's like one thirty my time. To, uh, the day night cycle in Pokemon games, it is daytime. So yeah, yeah. Well, that's not well, exactly the smoothest transition I've ever heard, but sure, yes. Like well, Pokemon. Well, well, tell me, Iro, would it be day or night in uh, in uh, Pokemon's version of Britain? Um. Hmm. Well, when you bring it up, when you put it that way, like considering the weather, uh, maybe still yeah. nighttime. But for our purposes, it's the daytime. Sure. Sure. For the record, everyone, I guess I'm Team Score Bunny. I'm usually the fire starter. I am currently undecided. I think, uh, I think, I think I like Score Bunny in theory, but also like you look at that motherfucker from a mile away, or I guess should I say a, a kilometer, and <laughs> I'm like, that chap's a firefighting type, for sure, mate. Wait, no, wrong, no, wrong no, accent. No, that is definitely the wrong accent. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Zig. Time I see Score Bunny, I just think of Sam and Max, Freelance Police. Yeah, there's been a lot of that going around. There's been a lot of uh, art going around in general. I, I keep seeing people post that fucking tweet of uh, <laughs> the rabbit from the end of uh, fucking uh, Summer Wars, you know, oh, the, yeah, the yeah. cyber rabbit. Yes. And I was like, too. shit, you know, like, that is kind of halfway towards what I expect Score Buddy's final ev- evolution to look like, so. <laughs> I have but, to say the the overall starter design's kind of lame though kind of dull i there's nothing as instantly appealing as rowlet was right like you look at rowlet and you're like look at this round style pool. yeah I, and they're all kind of sameish other than like the color like it's yeah, all like here's I a mean, here's a green ball here's a blue ball and this yeah, one's a white ball with ears totally like <laughs> i wasn't you know i don't want to get too much into like fucking armchair character designer here but like yeah, the kind of, like, visual and, like, silhouette diversity of the three starters this time is kind of samey. Like, you know, you remove Score Bunny's ears and then put those three in a lineup. Like, you like you, you black them out so you just see their silhouette and, like, could you really tell them apart, you know? But, uh, yeah. you know, I, I'm sure, you know, just like, you know, look, it's the old Pokemon cycle. You know, new Pokemon gets announced, new starters revealed. Everybody instantly decides, like... Which one is like the mainstream favorite? Which one is like the fucking hipster choice? And then which one is the one literally nobody talks about? And then, uh, you know, that goes on for a while. People start putting out their fucking amazing fan designs that are a million times better than whatever <laughs> Game Freak actually puts out in the end. Uh, eventually, the final evolutions are uh, revealed. Uh, the lame one is revealed to be the cool one. Uh, one of them gets 90% of the porn devoted to it. Mm. And the other one is forgotten by the annals of time. The sad thing is, I like you can already tell which one is going to be which, I think, in, in this case. But yes. I mean, I look, I'm just going to say, don't... What the fuck is that thing called? Cookie. Uh, 
Grookey. Yeah, don't don't count Grookey out just yet. But I do agree, <laughs> as I just displayed here. Maybe the most forgettable of the three, but you know, yeah. As always, you know, sometimes it takes a final Evo to really decide, you know, which one which one is yeah. uh, the real winner. But uh, you know, see that tweet going around about how uh, there's a lot of fan art of the new starters. They're seeing a lot of Pokemon Sword Art online. Huh? What? Why is? Oh, oh, okay, I get it. <sighs> I, I don't get it. That's so, fine. Devil Man Crybaby. Yeah, I hear Devil Man Crybaby is <laughs> back in the news. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. The so let's, Pokemon adaptation. Well, first, first, let's uh, introduce ourselves. Oh, fine. <laughs> we don't forget I that. Yes, we can do that. Five so, minutes into the podcast. Yes. So um, <laughs> I'm Jell, uh, and if we have uh, Iro. Hi, Iro. Who's your starter then? If I, uh, I'm not picking I am withholding decisions until I see the evolutions. I think oh, that's way that's way too practical. Um, we, we need we like need, I we said, need... there's none as instantly appealing as Rowlet. Uh, fair enough. And uh, so we also have G. G. Who who you who you got? I think you guys need to rewatch that champion kill I got in Apex. I think it's very cool. Maybe <laughs> cooler than these Pokemon we're talking about. Like, what, I what, nailed what the headshot. <sighs> like, you see that damage marker? 90 damage, baby. Had the skull piercer on and everything. Gee, it was, a very, it was a very cool kill. I'm not sure I can justify putting that in the show notes. But, uh, <laughs> follow, follow G on Twitter if you'd like to see his cool <laughs> Apex kills. <sighs> yes, yes, my, like, one and only cool Apex kill. <sighs> anyway, so uh, as G was alluding to uh, in our show notes getting ahead of ourselves here, but a couple things we wanted to talk about before we get into the anime talk. Uh, If everyone remembers last episode, we recorded mere hours before Crunchyroll's anime awards aired. I did not actually watch them this year, so I can't speak to whether or not it was a better production. I don't know if you guys saw any of it. Nope. Uh, I watched a couple clips that people posted like on Twitter and uh, boy, that thing seems, uh, Get some more, like, cringe compilations or fucking whatever the kids do these days. Yeah, that thing is, uh, I mean, look, man, every every medium in its nascent stage, uh, you know, it it often stumbles a little bit in its path to finding legitimacy. Uh, we'll just conveniently ignore that anime as a medium has existed for nearly uh, more than half a century, and that uh, perhaps still in some ways struggles to find that sense of legitimacy, but, uh... Hang on, you know, you're telling me white people don't like stuff made by non-white people? Uh, I mean... Wow, we're, we're, we're just gonna go there, huh? Look, um. I... Look, here's a problem, okay? I think... I have not watched Mirai yet, but, like, motherfucker, if any Hosoda film deserved to win an Oscar, it was probably gonna be something like Summer Wars, and... Let's be real, the actual best anime of 2018, uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, um, did win. So in a ways, that is kind of a win for anime. Sure, probably. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. Well. Point is, it- at the at the Crunchyroll Anime Awards, which are usually dominated by, like, the mainstream stuff, like My Hero Academia, or Sword Art Online, or fucking whatever, Shield Hero, etc., 
uh, Devil May Crybaby won Best Anime of 2018. Yeah, it's uh, as somebody who put that at his like, uh, did I put it at number three or number two? I forget at this point. But regardless, uh, as somebody who was really uh, rooting for that anime, you know, back in 2018, you know, uh, all those years ago. Um, <laughs> yep, hundred years ago. That was a uh, it was. You know, look, just, you know, like the Oscars, I don't fucking think that these awards actually have, like, any real meaning or sense of legitimate, you know, legitimacy to them. But, like, it is cool when the mainstream, or as mainstream as fucking anime can get, does recognize, hey, a really fucking good anime came out last year. And, uh, I mean, a lot of really fucking good anime came out last year, but, uh. Yeah. Devil May Cry Baby was certainly um, a step above the rest in a lot of ways, and I don't know. I guess I, I guess I just found it surprising. I think uh, I yeah, it's it's particularly surprising because unlike the you know the Academy Awards, this is out this is a fan vote essentially. So they have right. a panel pick the nominees, but it's it's just an open vote. So this is actually voted on by the masses, and yeah, it, you know, not only is it interesting to see them pick something that's um as fucking soul crushing yes yeah there's, there's a pretty i feel like there's a fairly high barrier of entry to enjoying devil man cry baby it's i don't not think like, anybody enjoys devil man or, cry or to like yeah like to actually like watch sit down and watch it um and also you know we we talked about how we thought, thought everybody was going to forget about it because it was on netflix and nobody was talking about it in the beginning when it first came out um, yeah, but I think it'll still, weird. Go ahead. Yeah, it's still won a popularity contest essentially. Yeah, uh, and the point I was going to make was I think in a weird way that I mean I think we will need I think we will need to see this happen at least two or three more times in the next few years to qualify this as a trend. But perhaps there is something to be said about specifically if you have a public voting style award. That an anime that is available in its entirety on Netflix, I wonder if that actually did have an effect. Like, yeah, you think about like to watch compared to right. Like, you think about well, I mean, free in the sense of you know you probably already have you know need a Netflix subscription, but (laughs) free because everyone has a cousin who has (laughs) Netflix, right? But I guess it's interesting because I guess because you do compare it to like other anime and. I think for better or worse, we have seen this crop up time and time again. You know, we saw this with like stuff like Aggressico and stuff like, you know, what is the anime that is popular on the like, like whenever, whenever a pop culture blog that isn't devoted to anime does an article about anime, right? Something it's always Netflix. like, it's always like, oh, it's all the shows that are on Netflix. Yep. You know, everyone Even every, Netflix didn't make those fucking, shows. Every time I see non-anime watching people on their, in the writer's sphere or whatever, talking about anime, it's the same three shows that are on Netflix. Uh, right every time and, and i guess i wonder if I, I guess i wonder if there's actually a real power to that in a sense you know that um You're saying getting a wider audience gives shows more power i guess i guess i'm surprised well, i'm still surprised in a ways because i feel like i don't know i, I guess it's like the, i'm trying to think of the cross-section of people who care enough about about anime to vote for anime awards mm-hmm. and what does that crossover with people whose only anime watching apparatus is netflix because right. like i feel like anybody who cares enough to vote for like anime awards would probably either be people who a have like a crunchy roll or high dive subscription or whatever or they just torrent their anime like 90 percent of us do like 
it's yeah, I, mean, I guess I'm curious like the, the awards are put on by Crunchyroll so at the very right. least you're going to know who Crunchyroll is if you're voting in the anime awards so you're going to yeah. have a certain level of knowledge of you know what what they are and you probably are more than just the you know casual person wandering through Netflix and wondering what this show is or whatever yeah, so, I mean, what you, you what are you telling me that the Anime Awards is not bringing in a ton of new audiences because of the <laughs> Crunchyroll Anime Awards featuring Dante from Devil May Cry? <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, it's 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 interesting, and I, I do have to wonder because there are, I mean, there are other shows that have come out exclusively on Netflix that really did literally disappear. So is it just a matter of Devil May is just so good that you can't ignore it? Or it was so high. I mean, it did have a certain high profile, you know, with the anime community being based on, you know, a classic manga with a yeah. Well-known yeah. I mean, I will say from, I will say from my like limited anecdotal, you know, experience that based on like some of the, you know, again, like non-anime pop culture like blogs and you know sites and whatever that I was checking out and like just you know the scuttlebutt of what I heard from my, you know, from people I know in my life that are anime adjacent shall we say like they watch like you know maybe three four anime a year but like aren't like you know i'll put it this way they depend on me to tell them what's airing in a season to actually check it out that like a lot of them were talking about devil man even without my prompting like they were like oh like you know uh, it was just on netflix and right you know i decided to check it out and i guess but then it's like i guess are those also the same people that are fucking going online and going to Crunchyroll's like website to vote so yeah yeah that's that's, that's the thing so i don't know i th- i think like you said we do we just need to see more examples yeah. uh, my, my gut is that you know if you make something good enough <laughs> it, it, it'll eventually make its way through um uh, but- i don't know have you heard of uh let's see <clears throat> let me grab my notes here uh garo and uh, <laughs> Rage of Bahamut. Yeah. Or uh, or I had I, my my uh, my hill to die on was Rocket Go last year. Nobody cared about that. Last year, two years ago, or I think it was last year, wasn't it? Was that twenty seventeen show, dude? Wasn't Rocket Go twenty? Well, no. Oh no. Well, well, season one was aired. Might have been like I, I thought. That was, oh no, you're right. It was 2017. Oh my god. Yeah, I feel like you'd be a lot more angry about. Uh, uh, I, I, feel, yeah, I, was gonna say, I feel like you'd be a lot more angry about 2018 or our 2018 ranking list. I, you, know, if, I, you know what's messing Rock me up? Wasn't... You know what's messing me up? We're having this discussion in March about 2018. My entire timeline. <laughs> no, our fucking fault that Crunchyroll holds a fucking 2018 yeah. awards they, show they, they gotta, in February. They got to move that timeline up for sure. But um, anyway. I think that's enough of. I think we can officially close the book on best of 2018 talk now <laughs> and uh, move on. Yeah, TLDR Devil Man Cry Baby is pretty good. Yeah. Um, should probably you check know, that else out. Is pretty good. Well, you know what but else is yes. pretty good was uh, the recently finished uh, Tokusatsu show Thief Sentai Lupin Ranger versus Police Sentai Patch Ranger, which uh, finished recently a couple weeks ago. Yeah, you guys have consistently said that's been good. It's, good. it's been airing it for a good. long time. 
the thing, yeah, yeah, as most Sentai shows do, aired for a whole year, give or take. Uh, having watched a few Sentai shows now, at this point, I say this might be the best one of the ones I've seen. Okay, uh, but like when you say best, do you mean right. like best or like best? <laughs> <laughs> Great grading um, on a curve. <laughs> the thing about Sentai is that it's so regimented, like um. On the broad level, every show is the fucking same, right? Like, there's right. not really too many meaningful differences from show to show. It's more about, like, do you like the characters? Is the acting bad or bad? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, is the choreography, like, decent or bad? How, how... <laughs> How terrible are the special effects? All right, Eero, uh, I'm gonna ask you. I'm gonna ask you a simple question then. How does um, how does Lupin Ranger versus Pat Ranger stack up to um, Hong Kong Shaw Brothers <laughs> legendary film uh, Inframan? Um, broadly favorably. Really? Okay. It's, I mean, ends, I mean, having fifty episodes allows for a lot but like yeah like the choreography for example in lupin in lupat was a i would say a step above the usual sentai fair sure okay like it it felt like the first sentai show i'd seen that actually tried to be better made uh on certain levels than any of the others and the premise of one sentai versus another sentai kind of allows for more person-on-person fighting Rather than person on giant rubber suit fighting, right, which kind of inherently allows for better choreography. Did they uh, did they do anything crazy for the final battle? No, it was just kind of a fun, like standard ending. Uh, what are you telling me? These phantom thieves did not summon the devil <laughs> and have him shoot his devil bullet Spoilers, at dawn. What? I don't know. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just talking generally. That could be any Phantom Thieves. Yeah, I, I, I could be talking about any group of Phantom Thieves. I forgot, I forgot when Lupin thieves. the Third did that. You're right. Um, yeah, exactly. I, don't you saying it's a spoiler now know. makes people suspicious. Right. Whereas before, I was just making an, oh, no, an innocuous statement. The evil, uh, the evil uh, gang boss, Dogranio Yaboon, who is made out of chains and gears and saw blades. That's a pretty open, good name for a final boss. Opened the safe on his chest. And sucked the thieves into it so they could have their final battle with the, their nemesis. Oh, right, because this has the two teams, right? Yeah, so they're fighting their nemesis inside of the pocket dimension within Dogranio Yaboon while the cops fight Dogranio Yaboon. Wait, wait, wait. So they're so... literally fighting to steal his heart. Uh, to steal the pieces of the Lupin collection. Or just beat the shit out of his heart. I mean, I mean either I, way. It's I asked you if they the did anything thing. crazy for the ending. That sounds fairly yeah, crazy. Yeah, you're right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it was good. Like, again, all Sentai is very broad and silly, but uh, there there is a difference between a well-made one and a poorly made one. Oh, for sure. You know? I mean... You've shown me enough clips of Sentai <laughs> to for me to certainly get a feel for like, oh, this is the good one with like <laughs> budget and choreography 
and oh, these ones are the yeah, 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 not good ones with even less budget and <laughs> less choreography. <laughs> All right, and uh, since it ended, um, normally it just jumps right into the new series like straight away, but this year they're doing a like four episode special. Um, I guess to commemorate the end of the Heisei era. And also because I guess they think they want to space out when Kamen Rider ends and when Sentai ends so that uh, they're more like apart. You know, it's uh, having like a six month gap between it. And what um, better way to celebrate an yeah, era, an yeah. era's legacy, its defining legacy, than to cash in on the latest trend <laughs> and have a hundred men in rubber suits drop onto an island. Damn straight. Uh, so this like crossover thing is... Is that really what they're doing? Strongest battle and reuniting, you know, some fan favorite Rangers from the past few years and some fan favorites from across time and space. Hundred Rangers teleported to a mysterious planet in teams of five to fight it out. This isn't a big boys. I'm serious, Doug. The teams, right, of, I, all these teams I of found, rangers are fighting. I found, I, found, I found a belt. I found a belt. Does anybody need a belt? I found a level two belt. <laughs> That's common rider. <laughs> shit. I'm sorry. I already ruined this bit. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't uh, fucking know shit about Sentai. I'm a faker. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's fun. Like uh, you know, it, it's fun to see returning characters if you liked them. Uh. And so two of two fifths of the uh, like main team that's the main characters of this one are people I hate. So every time like the red ninja ranger shows up, I'm like, fuck this guy. But then when the red eagle ranger shows up, I'm like, yeah, this guy's great. And then he beats up. He fights one V three in the second episode and totally kicks their asses. And it was the best. Nice. Just to like see, you know, like, oh, this guy, I, I watched this show like three years ago and I liked him a lot. And so just like, you know, he just whips out all the special moves from across that whole show. OK, Eero, uh, which team of Rangers are the ones who just hide in a bathroom <laughs> and become one of the last three teams in the uh, final circle without getting any kills? Fucking I don't know. Probably one of the ninja ones, right? Except yeah, I guess Ninja Ninja's Ninja's are sneaky. Except uh, Shuriken Sentai Ninja, their tagline was, we are the shinobi who do not hide. Oh, well, I mean, you know, is <sighs> uh, is that doghead guy like the dude who goes spicy and like gets three kills before picking He's up totally a gun? He's totally showed up. And, uh, yeah. So the, there, there's kind of a side plot that maybe this whole setup is actually really sketchy. And maybe I mean, the, maybe the magic using maybe the magic using referee named Rita is up to something. Oh, really, Rita? Who could who could, who could say? Uh, and so, cool dog cop man is kind of like maybe investigating outside of the battles at the same time. I mean, in in all seriousness, Eero. Do you think that this is actually like they're kind of like long con to set up their next uh, Sentai team? Because so the way there, I could see this going, right? Been, like there also have been like small segments of the next team doing stuff. Yeah, uh, I guess that's what I mean, right? Is 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 this whole cro- like this whole like mini series crossover thing eventually just going to set up like? Yeah. Oh, this is the new team, and like this is the gimmick of the next. Uh, I think it will upcoming actually. series. Uh, 
not maybe not like entirely but a decent amount like the uh weird there's also a weird man in armor going around saying he wants to fight the strongest and is beating everyone up and his armor totally looks as if he would be a sixth ranger in the next show <laughs> if that sure. makes sense okay. i don't know it's kind of it's dumb and fun and I mean, in all seriousness, that does kind of sound like a, a neat setup to like build hype for the next uh, series. You know, yeah. like you know, you get you get your little crossover like anniversary celebration, and then you also kind of get to hint at like what's to come. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. Sounds like a better idea than what Common Rider did for their end of the. Oh, don't let's not talk about Zio. Yeah, we, I, I want to get back to anime, so let's not get into that. <laughs> yeah, we have been talking about uh, completely <laughs> fucking pointless bullshit for the hey. first 30 minutes of this podcast. Hey. <laughs> yeah. You're right. I'm sorry. Devilman Crybaby <laughs> is a great anime. <laughs> All right. So let's 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 get to our uh our regularly scheduled anime discussion here. We'll go through the shows we're watching. Uh and uh let's kick off with Mob Psycho 100, which Hell yeah. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I've kind of forgotten everything leading up to the final moments of episode eight, but checking my notes, so seven was like, yeah, seven was we wrapped stuff. up, uh, we wrapped up the little Reagan mini arc Reagan versus, uh, the media, <laughs> uh, storyline. Reagan hates the media. And, uh, you know, we got our, uh, I, you know, I, I think, you know, as I was saying last episode, how I kind of feel overdosed on Reagan. I do feel like this was a good kind of development for him, I guess. I, uh, Even though yeah. we still ultimately... Well, did we end up back at the status quo? I guess it was... I uh, Things are different. I mean... I, go ahead, G. I think... I mean, I think for better or worse, functionally, at least within the confines of the show itself, it kind of is a return to the status quo, but I... As a standalone episode, or or as the culmination of the previous episodes, like setup, I actually really do like episode seven. I think, and I think it works because, like, oh, well, I think it works because we do get Reagan's internal monologue, and like, yes, is he is he like is he gratified in the end? Is he rewarded? Like, does he basically get out of that Scott that situation scot free? Yes, but also like only because. And I think it's only kind of forgivable because at least from his internal monologue, you know, we as a viewer can recognize that he truly does feel bad about, you know, what he said to Bob in, in episode six. Like, right. Like if he had not explicitly said, I fucked up and this is all my fault, I don't think this episode would have worked nearly as well. Yeah. And I think it was important that, you know, we finally get out in the open that Mob knows he's a fraud. <laughs> Because yeah, because yeah. now it's now it's like okay now if they're moving forward if they continue to work together then it's it's going to be more of a partnership which I think was the best right. we could have hoped for here and I mean I think I think that was always kind of the underlying current of the relationship right like we see I mean I you know we see that in the culmination of the flashback like if for people who don't remember uh, the the flashback Reagan has in episode seven of meeting Mob for the first time is almost a like one one creation of the flashback that mob has of his time meeting reagan for the first time that he has back in like either the final or penultimate episode of season one and that flashback in season one we see it from mob's uh you know viewpoint 
And I mean, we all knew that like, you know, Reagan was a swindler and a con man, even in season one. But like seeing it from Reagan's standpoint where like his act of kindness was essentially like an unintentional, like off the cuff, you know, uh, act essentially like. Right. I think it's still neat because it kind of speaks to like this idea of like, you know, the concept of like even unintentional uh, benevolence can still, you know. An unintentional good act is still a good act, I guess. And, like, for better or worse, like, I mean, I think we can all agree that, like, Reagan was, and continues to, in some ways, be hugely important to Mob's development as a person. Right. And having Mob around is important for Reagan. Right. Yes, that too, yes. We also definitely see that in this episode as well, that, like, Reagan definitely can no longer quite function without mobs. So. Right. Yeah. They, and they, they put kind of a nice bow on that and set us up to move on, uh, which, which we did in episode eight. Yeah, sure. Yes. We definitely <laughs> moved the plot forward in episode eight. <laughs> um, I mean, I was pretty excited that just where, you know, now we're getting back to focusing on mob and, you know, the bulk of the episode, I guess is, you know, just him going about his, you know, he's trying to train for this big race so he can impress what's her name. And, you know, it's just kind of normal, you know, school stuff. And then we have, I mean, should we just cut to the, (laughs) I mean, should we just cut to the ending or? I mean, before we get to that, and I do, I I think we should soon. So I'll just keep it very quick, but I actually really, really like the first two thirds of this episode a lot. I, I, I like this episode as a whole, but like, I think episodes like this one are exactly why, like, while I think that maybe, you know, One Punch Man, you know, to to, to uh, mention its counterpart, definitely hit a certain bigger kind of spectacle. Like, the reason I think a lot of us stick with Mob is because it is this very, like, s- s- you know, very sincere show. Yeah. And we this episode kind of continues to hammer home the point that we saw with, like, when Mob was, like, caught in the weird, like brain dimension or whatever that you know for all of you know regardless of what mob himself thinks like he has a lot of people in his life who care about him and are willing to you know you know willing to go to bat for him and you know like it's kind of a predictable you know uh it's kind of a predictable uh trajectory but you know just watching all of mob's friends that we've met over season one like you know chip in in like you know both small and big ways to to help him out on his goal is uh, was was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and it definitely sets up the, I guess, impact of the you know the oh, final yeah. stretch, which you know we kind of always have a standing spoiler alert on this podcast. But I'm really going to throw out a spoiler alert on this one if you're watching <laughs> Mob and care. But uh, at the end of episode eight, um, we have. Uh, one of the it was, it was he was one of the bad dudes in season one right that's yeah he was like the kid from season one who was like he was pretending to be a like new initiate but he was actually like fucking well, you've big, been on a whole other level right right like right. top honcho number fucking like one or some shit but uh yeah so he uh shows up at mob's house when mob is not there yeah and uh it and the episode ends with Mob coming home to his house being on fire and what appears to f- be finding the bodies of his family burning in a closet. 
at the end of the episode. Yes. Um, I guess the big question here is, are they actually dead? No, I don't think so. I don't, I think, don't think so. so. I, don't, I don't think the, uh, yeah, I don't think this is that type of show. I don't think one is that, uh, mean spirited. Yeah. Yeah. I, my, I mean, I think, I think the obvious like theory of course is, Oh, this is an illusion set up because they just want to push mob to his limits. Right. To watch yeah. it break. Right. Because and, I, and it's not like that hasn't happened. Well, that, so here's my, here's my take on that. One, yes, that's extremely plausible because that's basically happened already. But two, we kind of also just did that like three episodes ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I was talking to to Eero about this the other day, but I think in a weird way is Mob Psycho 100 is really good in the same way that some of the best comics about Superman are very good. In that it's never a guess of, oh, can Superman or Mob beat the bad guy? But is it, can he maintain his humanity? Can he walk the higher road in spite of this truly overwhelming power he possesses right you know like like you know very much in the same way that like a lot of the best superman stories are about the bad guys like harming superman's friends and family like you know what will happen to mob you know when somebody pushes him this far you know will he be able to pull himself back from the brink or will he you know lose himself in 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 the darkness so to speak right um yeah, yeah. I, in, in in that regard, I don't think it's probably super important how this gets resolved. But you know, we kind of all feel like it's definitely not what it appears to be at face value. Um, so interesting twist, though. Had the internet uh, gasping <laughs> for I mean, sure. It still definitely, it, it still definitely has me excited in the sense that like. You can kind of feel it in your bones that, oh, shit, episode nine might be another, like, episode five in terms of, like, oh, it is another episode where Bones is, like, cracking its fingers and, like, all right, time for another, uh, you know, time for another Sakuga explosion, you know? (laughs) Once you get, once you get question, question mark percent, uh, mob. Yeah. Things are going to get, uh. It's probably going to be some kind yeah, of that's that's you know that's some fucking like dark Ryu or angry Yang Wen Lee shit right there you know <laughs> you know truly right. a terrifying power to behold. All right, so uh, we, we we asked about uh, fighting Goku with Ultra Instinct. Who wins, angry Yang or question percent mob? <laughs> oh shit, that's tough. Um, if. I think Yang Wen Li wins if the rest of the FPA fleet has been destroyed. <laughs> he only and had my period he in like, like uh, the last second. Yeah. Sure. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Anyways, <laughs> what um... we've been watching lately. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that next week. Yes. Okay, fine. <laughs> so, anyways. That it was a good twist. I don't suspect it's like I said. What were what they? You know, I don't think it's going to be what it is at face value. I don't think his family's actually dead, but we'll see how that Definitely goes. Not. Um, and yeah, it was a strong, strong episode, strong block of episodes there for sure, though. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's uh, move along to uh, yeah. Dororo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and to uh, like happy episodes after yeah, six episodes yeah. of do, like I mean, murder do you mean happy and... or like quote marks happy <laughs> no like weirdly unironically pretty happy like at, <laughs> at least as happy as you can get for a story set in like yeah. an old school depiction of Sengoku era Japan right and it's I gotta be honest, like, I don't dislike these two episodes, but these two episodes more than any other have made me realize that, okay, like, maybe, maybe Dororo starts to lose a little bit of steam when it's just these kind of, like, just Dororo and Hyakimaru fucking, you know, hanging out. They they, they walk into a new random Japanese village, and yeah, yeah, it's... Solve the demon problem one way yeah. or another. Yeah. But at the same time, these episodes are also maybe these slight, like, building foundations of Hyakimaru starting to gain a personality. So, yeah, he finally spoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell, he even laughs in uh, one of these episodes. Uh, so, But yeah, uh, long story short, episode 7 uh, does the all fucking like demon and human fall in love subplot that often happens in these kind of shows? Ah, uh, yes. The forbidden. Weirdly enough, despite uh, despite everything we know about how these usually one-off stories tend to go, uh, actually, uh, I guess spoiler alert: the uh, the human and his demon lover actually survive and run away together. Wow. Which, in some weird ways, is almost as much a twist in and of itself. Based on the usual formula, but uh, right, and then uh, episode eight's just like we helped this kid save his sister from the demon, and then they did it. <clears throat> Hooray! <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, okay, it's it's sure. still good. It's still enjoyable, but it definitely you definitely get get kind of get that feeling of like oh like. Kind of spin it's to the point of the show where we're spinning our wheels for a bit. Yeah, because like these last two episodes didn't really contribute any to like the kind of overarching plot of like because because you have like a few overarching like narrative threads to work with in Dororo. You have Hyakimaru's lineage, you know, his family. Yeah. You have Dororo's past. You know, we still don't really know much about that beyond you know uh, his parents showing up in the OP. And then you kind of have like you know just yeah the general like you know. Uh, I don't know. Hyakimaru, you know, struggling with his humanity stuff. And yeah. these two episodes don't really address any of those threads. So They're like slowly moving forward, but Yeah. But not uh super meaningfully. Yeah, the more interesting thing about Dororo this week is probably finding out that there are in fact going to be uh two cores. Yeah, it. I was it's- convinced up until like I saw some confirmation about the Blu-ray like pre-orders for the blu-rays or whatever that was one a one core show but i guess it's going to be two cores yeah All which right. definitely puts the pacing of it into a different light because we definitely thought during these two episodes like yo you've got like four episodes left are you you, you know, can't you really afford to spin your pace. wheels like yeah. this but <clears throat> if it's gonna be 24 episodes i guess they do have some time and you know yeah. i suspect now that i am personally willing to make the bet that Dororo's backstory is going to be like the two-parter that book ends this season. Or I hope so. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, There's I hope so. That kid's got hustle. Life. Yeah. W- would you say, Iro, that these episodes are closer to the tone of the source material? Uh, 
It varies. Talk um, about the bomb. Just do it. So, okay. <laughs> I was a little disappointed because in episode eight, uh, they kill the like giant centipede demon or whatever. And Takamaru gets his nose back. Now he can smell the flowers. Uh, and I was like, oh, come on. Because in the manga, um, his nose, they're fighting like nine tailed fox or something. Uh, like this dangerous enemy. <clears throat> and Hyakumaru, like, uh, the, the only way we can defeat this is, like, my last resort. Hyakumaru pulls his nose off and throws his, his prosthetic nose and throws it into the mouth of the nine tailed fox. But his nose was a bomb. And, <laughs> you know, and it blows up this demon, right? Oh, and my con- God. And conveniently, this demon's the one that had his real nose. This is his real nose grows back right after. Uh, and like it's so just much better so than the anime episode yeah silly that, you know and that that does like, sound the, this, this show and this the 2019 version in general is kind of like or serious and i kind of wish it was a little sillier but so it sounds yeah, like we're not, maybe maybe it doesn't fly in 2019 but it sounds like that's significantly reduced our chances of seeing the machine gun leg then, huh? Yeah, I, th- I think right, that's, like, that's gone. Man, no machine gun leg, no nose bomb. Like, come <laughs> on. What, the fuck does Hyakumaru the even have left at this point, you know? Mm-hmm. Sword uh, arms. Just, just the sword arms. Yeah. That's a little disappointing. But it sounds like it's still good overall, though. Yeah, it's yeah, enjoyable. definitely still enjoyable. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, definitely still... Uh, Still, still digging it overall, though. Yeah. Nice. All right. <sighs> so, the next question then is: Are you still digging <laughs> the Magnificent Kotobuki? <laughs> I, I don't even. <laughs> I don't even know, man. Kotobuki is weird. So, so like, they, the more uh, and more we learn about its bizarre setting. Yeah. So, it, Kotobuki is always taking place in this weird, like, world that looks like the Arizona desert. Um. But also, they're all flying World War II Japanese planes, and you know, there's zeppelins and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And they they imply in episode six that uh, you know, some like forty fifty years ago or something, some sort of hole opened up in the sky, some sort of dimensional hole, and uh, planes flew through and arrived in our world, and. I guess this is why they all have like all their technologies World War II Japan planes because I guess a dimensional hole opened up from Japan. Yeah, basically they imply that like a portion of World War II era Japan got isekai'd into Kotobuki's world. Like they talk about the Yufang like people, the Yufang incidents and all this stuff and, and like how Yufang had these things called oceans. Right, yes, they also constantly talk about, I mean, we've talked about this before, about how the world of Kotobuki doesn't have oceans, but they can still cultivate seaweed, which, again, don't I, I, worry about it. I cannot let go of, it just bothers me on a fucking intrinsic level. I, I, okay, sure. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> like the main girl, the generic of the girl ensemble who eats pancakes, like, we go into her backstory of how she... When she was a kid, she knew this weird old man in town, and everyone thought he was a weird, creepy old man. But actually, he was from he was from the mysterious Yufang, and knew a lot about planes. So she got her passion from planes from him. 
Hmm. It's that seems it's like a, a show, brain, like, like oh, there's this one plateau that everyone tried to use, like tried to do plane tests on because supposedly it was the same size as something from Yufong called an aircraft carrier, and we don't know what those are, but apparently they had planes. <laughs> that's a it's very weird. it's so that's a very weird and kind of wildly inefficient way of building this world <laughs> I yeah mean, i mean yeah like i think when we all heard about this we all just assumed it was just like you know generic vaguely post-apocalyptic setting to you know just justify the aesthetic of world war ii you know planes right they have kind of like done like weird somersaults to justify right, the like, setting in ways that i could have never predicted <laughs> yeah i mean we didn't really need that right like we could just because well, the thing is, it doesn't really add that much to the plot. Like it's just this weird background dressing. Yeah, that... maybe they'll get into it coming up, but yeah, I don't know. Episode seven is kind of starting a like multi episode arc in itself, but like they bring up how the planes need gasoline, and normally we borrow gas from you know the like small town gas man. Uh, you know, mom and pop gasoline shops. Yeah, but the big gas conglomerate is uh, selling really cheap gas, but it's like watered down. It's not as yeah, it's not they're, they're, sell, they're selling subpar products conveniently at the same time that all the mom and pop shops are either getting bought out or bombed by mysterious unmarked mercenary planes. Yeah, weird. Uh, Man. So I guess Which, in a weird way, it's gas like, conspiracy happening. <laughs> It's like in a weird way, the fucking like dumbass episode where the bandits were masquerading as a business was right. actually secretly foreshadowing like the true monster that is capitalism that lurks under in the shadows of of all worlds and all dimensions. Oh, you guys are just setting up this transition to the next show, but yes, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so you know they they're setting up for some long longer plot about capitalism capitalism <laughs> and oil company, wars you know shutting down all the oil and they also shot the researcher who was trying to find out what's with the dimensional hole to yufang and something's going on the show yeah, is still weird as hell i it continued again i i don't dislike the show and i but also i don't think i love the show it just but it it's continues to baffle me yeah. in a way that, yeah, it fascinates me. Like, can't There's I can't like it? You know, like, I can't tear my eyes away. Yeah, it just sounds so much weirder than it needs to be. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's it is the bizarrest justification for clearly a lot of people who just love planes. Oh well, just wait till we get to the bizarre justification in uh, the price of smiles. <laughs> Ooh, but we'll get there. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm looking forward to that, but uh. All right, we'll see how that one goes. Um, speaking of indictments of cap- capitalism, <laughs> let's talk Tell us about more about Death Macaroon. Uh, no Death Macaroon this week, but uh, we do have a a, a new arc with. Um, the, so th- this one has the return of two of the characters from season one. We have uh, Sumeragi, who's the girl that ripped off her own fingernails uh most and uh we also have the return of the man that she loves the cold glasses guy who lost so badly in season one that his hair turned white and he went into a coma 
Uh, um, so this is like the haughty like student council guy. Yeah, he was he was the the student council like treasurer or something like that or whatever. Right, and he yeah he was like super full of himself, and then he yeah, then he got you know knocked back down to earth. But uh, yeah, so they're back for this arc, and uh, they get roped into a game with uh, Yumiko and two of the new characters. Uh, one is, I think it's a, I think she's supposed to be like half Russian or something. And she is most definitely she's an blonde and blue eyed. No, she has like the silver hair and she has like a, uh, Oh, like the silver hair. Russian. Yeah. She okay, has, and yes, she has like uh, a Russian, like, like a uh, given tab. name or something. Oh, sure. Uh, she's, she might be Russian, but she's most definitely an assassin, even though they don't say it <laughs> explicitly. Uh, she, she walks around with like black leather gloves. And at one point she's like, Hey, you know, I'm not from the torture family, but I can do some stuff if you need it. And they're like, nah, nah, nah we're good. We're good for now. Thanks. Um, so, <laughs> and then there's just some like delinquent dude who, who's kind of along for the ride at this one. I, I, th- I have a feeling he's going to be, uh, uh, I have a feeling they're going to have to fight him more later, but for now they just needed somebody to fill out the game because they needed five people. Um, so anyway, they get together to play the what is called the greater good game. Ooh, <laughs> and uh, I like the sound gonna, of that. I'm going to try to I'm going to try to explain this in the most straightforward, simple way possible. But in the greater good game, uh, each each of the five players are greater good a set amount of coins. And sort of the buy in for this game is that if you don't gain a certain amount of coins, not only do you lose the game, but you're eliminated from like the entire election tournament thing. Like you're just out completely. You're written out of the show. Oh, right. This is still part of this tournament arc, right? right? So high stakes, high reward stuff. And so in the greater good game, everyone gets these coins and there's five rounds. And every round you have to choose, do I put coins into my personal piggy bank or do I put coins into the tax box? If... You put your coins. Oh if you put your coins in your piggy bank, they're just stay there and they're safe until the next round. If you put your coins in the tax box, you give the you give them away. But at the end of the round, the tax box is doubled and then evenly distributed to all the players. Uh, Some like prisoner's dilemma shit. Yeah. Like. So, so the way the the way the math works out, if everybody just put all their money in the tax box every round, everybody would survive and continue on in the tournament, but nobody would really make any significant gains in in votes. But if everyone puts their money in the their piggy banks, nobody will have enough coins and everybody gets eliminated. <laughs> uh, <laughs> man, I fucking love this shit. So, Holy crap. So, so are you gonna So you could so in theory Are you, you gonna to, betray, baby? Yes. And, and and the other thing is uh nobody knows who put how many coins where like it's all done in secret so in theory you could put all your money in your piggy bank and just assume everybody else is going to pay the taxes and then you end up with money oh, in the end shit. but you're taking the risk of nobody paying taxes and everybody lose it <laughs> uh-huh. oh man so, so like what's the what's the mechanics to convince people to do it one way or the other oh, is it just surely down to like talking or like- yes so let me uh let me uh let me explain further. Oh, man. So the, the final piece of the puzzle here is if uh, the after the results are announced every round, the players are allowed to have a discussion. And if they determine 
somebody isn't paying their taxes and they can get a majority three out of five vote, they can vote them out of the game. Oh, man, I wish it was that easy in real life. <laughs> so, Virtue's last reward. Yes. So um, this goes about as dramatically as you'd expect uh, with everybody, you know, the big reveals of every round and everybody accusing everybody of being the, the traitor who didn't pay their taxes and everything. <laughs> it's- so like based on the way the taxes go, they can accurately detect like how many people didn't pay up, right? Right. So they can figure out. Oh, you know, this time one person didn't pay. This time two people didn't pay, and then they I can see. argue. Okay, okay. They, and then they can argue with each other on who is the one that didn't pay. But of course, you know, there's going to be a lot of bluffing and whatever going on. Oh, of course. I mean, everybody's going to be like, "Of course, I paid my taxes. Yeah. I'm a good American citizen." So, uh, the end result of all this is the uh, the glasses guy figures it out. Um, the whole thing was basically set up. Uh, gets rigged by Sumeragi to for him for the glasses guy to win, and basically to because she loves him and wants to get him out of his slump that he's in. Um, and it kind of backfires, and she ends up winning anyway. Um, I guess the results didn't really matter, but the <laughs> the uh, wait, what? The, she ends up winning, and and you know he and. The, uh, the glasses guys like you know i don't really care anymore but at least they now care about each other or something that was the whole point of it but it did lead uh, to my favorite. truly heartwarming it did yes truly heartwarming it did lead to my favorite moment though which um so to rig the game she basically ends up double crossing the russian girl and you know the russian girl's an assassin so you probably don't want to double cross her so, probably not. So the, this leads to her uh, getting voted out. And as soon as she gets voted out, the Russian girl like immediately grabs Sumeragi by the collar and like slams her up against the wall. And everyone's like, oh, God, she's going to kill her. And she leans in and says to her, you know, my family does, uh, quote unquote, cleaning. <laughs> and uh, we're we're not very good at this, uh, you know, these kind of mind games. So, you know, nice job. And then she backs off. And it turns out she's actually like the nicest character in the show. <laughs> okay. She's, she's like, oh, by the way, you know, are you in love with that glasses guy? I promise so I won't tell anyone. And she's just like surprisingly the most chill person in the uh, – this is a dumb you – know, She just wants things to be clean and orderly. Yes. Uh... It's just a dumb uh, twist at the end there. But so nothing quite on the level of Death Macaroon, but I'm, – uh, I'm surprised another character has made an argument that – but if you tax the rich at 80%, then how can they contribute <laughs> back to the economy? How can they pay their workers more than minimum wage? We Yeah, they, they kept uh, they kept the comment the actual social commentary pretty light as this show is kind of too dumb to really get too much into that. Sure. sure. I, have, I never expected Kakaguru to actually go for the throat of capitalism, right. well, but Well, I will say that if you do take the show even like one percent seriously if it did have a message it is that it's kind of anti-greed like these people are all kind of disgusting and despicable um but the and there is one moment with okay so i I need to i need to acknowledge the officials for these games are other students who are supposed to be like just totally neutral um and Uh the only one we've really seen so far has been like I don't remember the little girl on the student council who has like the weird like uh, hoodie, the animal hoodie thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she's the only one we've seen so far. And I just assumed that was just like her weird character quirk or whatever. 
But apparently, no. All the officials wear those weird animal hoodie things. Uh, sure. <laughs> so they they had a different they had a different official for this game who we've never seen before. And at one point, she's like getting a little too into uh, enjoying the game and how this is how society really works, where greed rules and everything like that. So they did add a little bit of that in there. But, you know, generally it was just for setting us up for some ridiculous mind games. It was pretty fun. But, uh, yeah. We'll have to see. I, I, I haven't heard if this show is doing... I'm assuming it's still only one core, in which case we're kind of running out of time to take down the president. So... Uh, you know, I'm expecting some pretty crazy stuff by the time next time we talk about it. You are right about that, Jell. It's 2019, and we are running out of time to take down the president. Exactly, yes. The- oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I couldn't resist. Yeah, I, yeah no, that, I, I, I uh, you, that you, you had to slam dunk at home, I understand. But uh, Go out and vote, y'all. Register. <laughs> support your local elections. It's got to start at small people. Like, if we want to make big changes, we got to start making small changes. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> All right. So, um, moving along to my roommate is a cat. How's the cat stuff going? It's f- is it still sad as fuck? Yeah, it's a little, a little bit. Um, Are birds still fucking the shit out of cats <laughs> in these two episodes? Yeah, quite like that. I think the saddest thing that happened this week was... Um, the main guy flashing back to his now dead mother reading him stories as a child and how God damn it. That does sound hella fucking sad. And how, and how p- part of how he started getting interested in writing was uh, his mother would read him bedtime stories and then he would make up like sequel stories to the bedtime stories when he was a little kid. Uh, so that was a little sad flashback wise. Um, other than that though, these were pretty, even by this show standards, pretty late episodes uh episode seven had um his uh childhood best friend guy come over with all his younger siblings who were like little kids and harassing the cat so it was kids and cats and it was kind of cute um not really a whole lot else to say on that one and then episode eight was the oh no the author guy got sick because he's overworked himself episode tell me more uh, <laughs> ah the old japanese overwork yeah so he gets the japanese overwork cold and it's up to his childhood friend guy and his goofy but kind of hot editor to nurse him back to health um <laughs> hell yeah uh and uh you know the cat kind of again showing you know also trying to take care of him which is cute um so yeah, it was nice. Nothing too high stakes. They are setting up what I think is going to be the final, like if there is a plot arc to speak of where um, earlier in the series, the author got invited to a, a like a, like a live autograph session thing or book signing or whatever. And yeah. uh, he did, he at first he was just like, no. And now that he's like kind of opening up his heart to all of these new friends and the cat and his new cat. Now I'm sociable. He, he's, he's thinking about it now. So I think right. having the cat solved all of my emotional issues <laughs> and yes, and brain problems. I no longer yep. need you my medication. I no longer need to see a therapist. Well, you heard it here. First folks. Fixed. Yeah. I, if you, you, you should spend the money to own a living animal that has its own emotional and financial needs. Yeah. I mean, it sounds bad and convenient when I boil it down to that. 
and it, it kind of is, I suppose. But it, it, I mean, no, I mean, not to not to actually disparage the effect that I'm like, nah, you no, know, I'm people have talked about people may, you know, have, have talked about how like animals have definitely helped them, you know, through hard times. So not to disparage that at the slightest, just yeah. You know. I, I mean, they do a good job, and like part of like the the flashbacks too is like, you know, a, a lot of his, you know, a lot of what you know is kind of made him withdraw is him not uh, i guess avoiding addressing the fact that he lost his parents he basically just you know shut that part of him off and now he's we've seen throughout the series he's starting to remember his parents and like starting to cope with that which i think is what the core thing that they're going for um Mm -hmm. they've done a pretty decent job at touch on touching on that but um but yeah uh, it does look like they're building up now to kind of the final thing is going to be this. He's going to actually willingly go to this signing event, but we'll see. Still a pretty good show. Okay. But has the the cat taught him the price of smiles? Oh, wait. No, that's wrong. Oh, you God idiot. damn it. You're you right. Idiot. You ruined it. Uh, <laughs> I fucked it up. God damn it. I, have, I did. I'm sorry. Uh, they can't. They can't. You were supposed to say, you were supposed to say, has the cat taught taught us all fucking the grim reality of the <laughs> the far of the, the illusion the, we live in uh, or something all right so i'm sorry i i did mess that up yeah well i wasn't looking properly at the show notes they both start with the p i got mixed up oh well we all certainly know i've done that many times it happens to the best of uh, us but uh the yeah let's talk about the promised neverland <laughs> I guess we should throw uh, up another spoiler warning on this one, but yeah, big spoiler alert big for this spoiler one. warning on this one. Um, uh, if I had to, <laughs> I had to pick one running theme for these two episodes. It's I would say it's a uh, mom strikes back. Yeah, uh, in case y'all forgot, because Sister Crone was taking up screen time. Uh, Mama is not to be fucked with. <laughs> yeah, I, I've. Uh seen some criticism from like manga readers that the show hasn't been handling it very well uh specifically mom not being menacing enough that plus stuff everything about sister crone uh is that before uh, or after this block of episodes dirt like during this block of episodes okay i should say gee what are your what is your response to that I think, I mean, here's the thing. I think there is always going to be that kind of latent conversation about Sister Crow just because of a variety of various factors, including, you know, her depiction and portrayal and design. Um, I will say that I think that the Sister Crone stuff, I think that this, I think at least episode eight does a pretty good job of like succinctly, like, Basically wrapping up like, you know, not if if not necessarily giving her character a great send off, at least like doing a good job of evoking like the sense of like both dread and helplessness, but also resentment that humanity feels for its current situation, and that you know, even if many of the humans are collaborators, you know, with the demons, you know, across its power structure that sometimes even its worst, you know, uh, its worst actors can still recognize, you know, the inherent, like, 
the inherent and undeniable evil of the world they live in. Uh, I guess they don't really go into what Sister Crone's last contribution to the kids are, but you know, you guys, I think you see that at the end of episode. If they eight. put a thing in that drawer, I assume you it's important behind for them, and uh, that will definitely have some very uh, yeah. long-lasting consequences. Uh, so you know, sure, that's to be paid attention to. I, I think the thing that I always had an issue with in terms of like the anime. And it's a very small, well, not a small issue, but it's a minor issue considering how solid the adaptation is overall. But, like, the nature of manga as a medium means that, like, you know, it's black and white, which means that it it, it inherently skews towards a different type of, like, aesthetic and presentation. Yeah. And I think the anime definitely stumbles in a lot of places because it cannot it cannot bring itself to be as stylized as the manga. Right, it can't have such sharp contrasts right. all the time. Like, the scene in which uh, Mama shows up and confronts Sister Crone and presents her the letter is, like, genuinely one of the creepiest fucking moments in the manga. Like, a combination of, like, Mama's facial expression, the way it's drawn, like, the way it uses, like, black and white to, like, you know, silhouette and accentuate her feature, her, her form, and, like, just, you know, like... Her in the darkness, like facing Crone standing in the you know, in, in her lit room, like creates this very like very unnerving uh, atmosphere that the anime decides to not linger on long enough. Like in the anime, she basically shows up and like you kind of see her with the with the pen, like with the with the letter opener for like a second, but then she just hands it to Crone. Whereas the manga kind of like specifically uses like big open like like large wide panels to. Yeah, to to linger on it in a way that creates tension that the anime kind of stumbles at. I, I mean, I, I think that's the point still got across. I mean, I, I still felt the tension there, but I guess you're saying it's not when you when you when you don't have the when you can't have that stylized presentation to really like emphasize it. It's not quite as effective, I guess, I guess is what you're getting. Yeah, but uh, I don't I think. But, you know, overall plot wise, like, you know, even as someone who read the manga, like watching these episodes did remind me like oh right yeah this show was a this story was amazing at just like every time you think like we're gonna settle into a status quo in in their escape like they throw in a new wrench that like yeah completely like destroys the status quo and forces our heroes to basically start anew and yep. I mean, how are you supposed to escape when you got a broken leg? Mama, don't, I don't fuck, fuck around. I don't fucking know. <laughs> I mean, not only that, but also the reveal that Norman is uh is going to be adopted. Uh huh. You know the uh, the uh, arguably the you know the brains of the operation is uh right. Shall we say taken taken out of the game prematurely and. Uh, you know, it's it is truly one of those like lowest moments for our heroes sort of situation that uh, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how they do in the anime. Yeah, yeah, I'm curious. There's a lot. Of the, this is a show that runs on how many, how long it can string along questions, I suppose. Uh, and so, right. Hopefully, we'll get answers. Yeah, to some, I don't know. Yeah, and I think it, I think it is good that for the most part they give you answers quickly but then just keep giving you more questions as opposed to having one big question 
that you're waiting to answer for six episodes. Um, Mm-hmm. So I think that's maybe part of the strength of why they're getting. But, yeah. I find it a little less frustrating than I would normally with these types of shows. But you know, yeah, it dangles questions, but it. I mean, okay, it dangles some of those questions as someone who's read the manga. It dangles some of those questions for a very long time. I might argue <laughs> too long, but what it does is it answers just enough of the immediate questions, right? That you are satisfied for the time yeah. being. Still want to know what she put in the what Sister Chrome put in the drawer, like that, leaving us hanging on that and stuff. Like it's just a it's just a gun, <laughs> <laughs> just a fucking gat. Oh no, but we just, learned, but we learned they can't kill the adults because then the alarms will go off, right? Yeah, well, we'll have, you sentence. know, and then say anything about kneecaps. Yeah, that's true. That's you true. As long them, as the right? heart's still as beating. long as the heart's still beating, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah. So, I mean... Yeah, it's very interesting where that show's going to go. Yeah. We'll have to see where that goes. It's been real hard not to read ahead. Yeah. I mean, gee, as somebody who know, already knows what's going to happen, I mean, and you're still enjoying it, I think maybe that's a, a good... Uh, yeah, no, totally. It's a... <laughs> good indicator. You know, like... It's, uh, you know, it, it's the same story, of course, but still, you know, watching it, you know... In, in a different medium, seeing how they like, you know, it's, you know, like same thing with like, you know, My Hero Academia, like watching the, the choices they make and seeing those things in action, in color, in movement. It's, uh, it's still enjoyable. Right. Okay. Well, yeah, that shows good. And you know what else is good? Uh, <laughs> I know it's super lazy, I must admit, but, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. That doesn't work. We're, 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 this is cause... this is not our transition A game this episode. Sorry, folks. No, no. The, um... the price of smiles is definitely not good. It's this fucking show, dude. Oh my god, uh, Jill. You know, actually, you know what, Jill? I just want to get this out of the way. I have great news for you. Okay. I have fantastic news for you for this podcast. Uh, putting together the header image for this podcast is going to be really easy. Oh, you already have it ready because, for me. Uh, because uh, this week. Um, you know, just like last time, you know, last time we got to talk about, you know, the price of smiles and related to, uh, 50 sand blood on the sand this week, we get to talk about metal gear rising. Oh boy. <laughs> are, are people getting, uh, metal machines, son. Are, are, are people getting, uh, uh, limbs indiscriminately chopped off all over the place or no, no, no it's even better than that. Okay. All right. Uh, so what happened? Let's Lay see it on here. me. Uh, the Empire has, I think, believe this happened last time. Uh, the Empire has, you know, taken over, ac- occupied the capital, and now the princess is on the run with her troops, and they're kind of fighting a guerrilla war, or at least they've retreated to another province or whatever. Um, but like, also one of her advisors was left behind at the palace, and. So he's like sneaking around because apparently they didn't just fucking lock him up. Uh, no, apparently the Empire has the worst fucking security in the world and uh, cannot keep tabs of a single person. Yeah, but uh, they reveal that <clears throat> in the like big explosion in the backstory was perpetrated by a third party, the remnants of the like Kingdom of Verde or something. Is that oh, right? Good. Yes. Also, good news, Jell. Uh, this show also managed to somehow introduce right. its <laughs> Earth cult equivalent. 
Uh, yeah. Oh, but um, the metaphor continues, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they, they, they were upset about the new Krar technology or something. And so their remnants perpetrated the incident that sparked the war. Basically, it was an act of terrorism. Oh, man. Yes. And so um, uh, this dude who's left behind at the Capitol risks his life to uh, hack the computers and uh, get the information out to uh, the princess of what exactly they discovered about the Krar technology and like dramat- dies dramatically while on video, while on FaceTime with the princess. Yeah. Uh, before he dies, manages to name his unborn son because <laughs> that's how this, because despite all the, like the weird, crazy, stupid, cool shit this show introduces, it also just has a lot of dumb anime bullshit. Yeah. His pregnant wife and child escaped with the princess and this dying breath. He, exclaims that uh, he's finally picked out a name and then gets shot just as he tells tells them what to name his child. The uh, princess has taken on a lot of emotional baggage here, huh? Yeah, weird. <laughs> yeah, the the princess fucking, you know Steal what? a lot of stuff. You know, in terms of, okay, I'll put it this way. I'll put it this way. I don't, again, don't mean to compare the shows, but I will just say <laughs> in terms of personal trauma witnessed, Reinhard von Musel got nothing on Yuki Soleil. <laughs> like, at least in terms of, like, at the ages that they were at. Right. Like, at age 12, Reinhard had, like, what, seen his sister sold off into sexual slavery and What's kicked a kid in the nuts. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yuki Soleil has witnessed, at the age of 12, like, the complete... And almost final <laughs> obliteration of her kingdom and its people, and has been single-handedly responsible, if not at least, if not for the death of thousands, then at least the death of hundreds. <laughs> like personally responsible. It's uh, a lot. Anyway, uh, in the next episode, we discover that uh, this information that the, the the lost empire of Verde or whatever oh my God. discovered about the Krar technology uh, so was that switch or something. so the, they've they've suddenly been setting up and it like it's pretty if you're familiar enough with like the genre tropes and stuff you you've basically figured out by now oh yeah they're like magic rocks or whatever or basically like materia from Final Fantasy 7 that's sucking up the life stream or whatever and like destroying the environment of course, and like you get, like you've kind of just picked that up normally. Yeah, you know? I don't know that part. That that part of the quote unquote twist you see from a mile away, right? And so it's yeah. the it's but the explanation. Actually, however, so the way the the way this our car technology, this strange mineral, sucks life out of the environment is because when we migrated to this planet thousands of years ago from Earth to terraform it, we released you know billions of nano machines. Oh. And these nanomachines have integrated with the atmosphere and with the with the soil, with the fauna, flora and fauna, and you know, have terraformed this planet into a habitable state. But you see, by coincidence, there's a mineral on this planet. This unknown mineral, this usually that, inert mineral, yeah, that resonates with the nano machines and gives off energy. But actually, this energy is just being siphoned away from the nano machines, 
and uh, apparently this causes the terraforming to reverse itself when the nanomachines become depowered. Their world is filled with invisible, self-replicating, terraforming nanomachines! Wow. <laughs> I just don't, like, I don't understand why... A, like, this is a needlessly complex exploration. Yeah, again, for, going back to the... For uh, why your <laughs> technology is sucking the life out of the planet. B, how come... I Like, I feel like I've seen this all over the place in anime or JRPGs and shit, but, like, how come the terraforming reverses itself? I feel like once you hit a certain point, the environment becomes, like, self-sufficient, right? right? Yeah, you I know, mean... Like, I've, oxygen, I've... like, if you plant enough fucking trees and shit, then... Carbon dioxide is going to keep being converted to oxygen, etc. Right. It's going to turn the other way when you turn off the box that, like, planted trees, right? Yeah, no, I mean, look, I've played Stellaris, and I can say <laughs> that once a terraformal planet, it, it doesn't go back. Like, it, it, you know, like, ideally, you terraform a planet specifically because that makes it so sustainable instead of something you have to constantly maintain. But yeah. I don't you know. know the price of smiles complex. has other ideas about uh, about both terraforming and, yeah. and nano machines. So, uh, but also they develop uh, basically an EMP weapon from this stuff that, like, oh, it turns off if you bombard it with enough rays, it shuts off all technology within a radius for like twenty four hour period. Which, of course, what this leads to is now you all of a sudden see from a fucking million miles away where they're probably going to, like, finish uh -huh. this up. Because all the characters in this episode conveniently keep talking about the cycle of warfare and, and human nature. And is there any way we could possibly ever and end it once and for all? One day our ancestors lived in peace in caves without technology. Right. You know, things were better back in the day before modern medicine and technology. Oh, no, no. Let's, let's not go there. Yeah. And the thing is, like, you see glimpses of how, how this might be interesting because, like, as soon as they figure out the EMP thing, one dude's like, all right, we can make a cool weapon out of this. This would be great. We can shut down Empire and just like you want, it won't kill anybody because we're not blowing them up. Unlike this gun I made. Also, <laughs> um, wouldn't it be great? And then they're like, but no, we can't use this energy because it's de destroying the environment. And he's like, oh, no, it won't destroy the environment for another, like, 2,000 years. It'll be fine. I'm sure the people then will figure something out. But we need, right, the, like there are, but we need the guns right now. <laughs> There's this weird, like, sense of, like, this, this, like, very, like, sharp awareness of, like, how short-sighted human nature is that, like... Except also the show just is incapable of handling these things with right, any because, subtlety. Like, right, because there is a nuance to that discussion of, like, okay, this thing will hurt us in a thousand, two thousand years, but also is there not something to be said about the preservation of human life that is here and now, even if that does cause, you know, long-term, like, consequences? And it's like, I feel like, for example, a show like... You know, uh, a certain 1988 OVA could have maybe handled uh, the level of nuance required to 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 traverse that conversation. But Price the Price of smiles. smiles just fucking goes for it. Like it, it, it it's like it doesn't even it, like it, it doesn't know that it doesn't have the ability to pull it off, but it tries anyway. And yeah. God damn, I fucking love it for that. It's so goofy. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a mess.
it's hot such a mess. But you know what? Good news, Jell. This week, all you have to do for the header is uh, take a picture of uh, Senator Armstrong and Photoshop uh, Lily Hoshikawa's head onto it again. So. <laughs> all right. I, I think I still have her head. Uh, I think I still have her face uh, machine, son. masked out for uh, well, not last uh, time. But uh, okay. Sure. Um. Fucking. Does uh, yeah? Can we even come up with a good transition? Yeah. Speaking sure. of horrors of war. Speaking of nano machines, we did, we did, the, we did yeah. the war transition last uh, last episode. Look, this is, yeah, like I said, this is not this this is not our, we're not bringing our A game on the transitions this week. We might as well just embrace it. Let's talk about the last show on the list. Uh, Kaguya-sama loves war. Uh, mm-hmm. Two solid episodes this week. Probably not quite as good as last week, which is just because last week's episodes were so mm-hmm. good. But uh, episode seven did probably have my favorite joke of the entire series, or at least uh, the best visual gag I've seen in a long time, which I think I'll link to you. Guys. And I'm sure it'll be very funny when you explain it to us verbally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, I'm sure. No, yeah, I mean, it, it does kind of make sense. Uh, the the, tre- the treasurer guy is kind of a creep. Uh <laughs> And he's okay. He starts talking about the girls' breast sizes, and not realizing okay. that the girls are standing right behind him. And the, a very normal conversation for people to have. And the and the, the president kind of trying to say, "Yo, dude, you know, back out, back out, stop." And he doesn't. Abandon ship. Abandon ship. And uh, so, after, so once he realizes uh, the girls are standing there, uh, you know. Show MVP Fujiwara just very calmly, quietly walks off to the other side of the room, starts folding a newspaper, wraps some tape around it to make a handle, and makes uh, a giant uh, makes one of, one of them paper fans, giant uh, you know Monzai routine fan. I forget what you call that fan. <laughs> sure, and Hari Sen. Yes, and then just mercilessly beats him with it for an uncomfortably long period of time, and it's a pretty good uh, bit. But uh, sure. Other than that, not a whole lot of uh. Oh well, I guess the set the back half of the episode they just go to dick jokes, so that's always a good solid. Uh... Hell yeah! <laughs> I was seeing some screenshots of that. Yeah, uh, so on the, on the never, Twitter. Yeah, so that's always never a, lets you down. Yeah, so that that's always a safe bet. So you know that was still a solid episode. Um, episode eight, which just literally came out like an hour ago, uh, does introduce some introduce another new character we meet the president's younger sister and uh it's pretty of course it's pretty funny that uh with uh you know all the jokes are kaguya trying to make friends with her because you know you make friends with the little sister then you can get in with you know big brother who she's trying to hook up with so and it goes horribly wrong because kaguya has no idea how human interaction works so that's pretty funny um the uh the the other half of the episode, it's kind of interesting. They've done a couple bits, which I think are cool, of the where they mix and match the cast. So like normally you have like the main couple playing off each other, and then you know the other two characters in the background kind of just as the wild cards or whatever. But there've been a couple se- right. there've been a couple segments where they kind of like split up the characters and have them like you know do stuff together as you know there's you know more you know friendship type of relationship. 
Um, there was there was a, a great bit with Fujiwara and the president, like a couple episodes I didn't get to mention, where the president is trying to learn to play volleyball and he's terrible at it. And like Fujiwara teaches him how to play volleyball. And at the end, she's like a proud mom when he's actually pretty good by the end of the episode. Um, I served the ball, mom. Yeah, I did it. So, yeah, she's like in the stands, and she's like, "I raised that boy." It's it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, I mean, but uh, this week they had, uh, you know, it turns out the treasurer guy is a bad student, and he's in danger of failing. And this would, of course, besmirch the good name of the student council. So um, Kaguya takes it upon herself to uh, kidnap and torture him into studying. Instead of playing, instead. oh, I thought I thought you were gonna say like private tutoring, but I guess same thing. Kidnap and torture yeah. also works. Well, see, he's a he's a uh, he's a hardcore gamer and plays too many video games and does not study. Ah, of course, which, uh, including gotcha. including uh, I guess he's a PUBG fan because he has a fake anime PUBG poster on his wall. But uh, yeah, so she uh, she kind of whips him into shape. And there's just kind of like a nice little bit at the end where the, like some girls are like, oh, are they going out or something? She's like, she's like, I don't care about them and puts them in their place or whatever. And, they, you know, they can just be friends or whatever. And it was pretty good. Also a pretty good joke where <laughs> he's like, he's like, oh, God, no, I hope she doesn't make me study or eat small fish. And she's like, here's this book and here's this plate of sardines. Eat them. <laughs> this like out of nowhere. <laughs> Okay, that I can appreciate. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's I learned from Lupin the Third uh, that eating fish boosts your IQ. Yes, so. So that, was, yeah. that was the reasoning. But like, it just comes out of nowhere where he's like, "I really hope she doesn't make me study and eat small fish." And she's like, "No, I mean, yes, there, uh, there is, you know, the we don't need to dissect it too much, but yes, the 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 highly specific joke can sometimes." Yeah, uh, so that was pretty work good. Out very well, um, but uh, yeah, so it was, it was uh, you know, two more. Very solid, funny episodes. Really love this show. It's my favorite one of the season. Everyone, please watch it. I mean, that does sound pretty good. I mean, I think there's definitely something to be said about, like, I really do love it when a show has such a well-defined cast of characters that mixing them, like, just mixing which characters interacted with which can create, like, wildly different, uh, like, like social dynamics. dynamics yeah. yeah. So, uh yeah, like I think it really speaks to a show's strengths when it's like, well, when A and B are together, it's like this, but when when A and C hang out, it's like this, right. and when C and D are together, it's a totally different thing. It's the uh, it's, uh, sketch in Osamatsu, or it's Charumatsu and Ichimatsu. Yeah, exactly like that just one. Like, right? well, we never hang out. <laughs> what the fuck do we do? <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, like the fucking all too real realization you have, like when you're with your group of like five friends in college. And then, like, three of them leave, and you're left with the other one. You realize, like, oh, shit, like, I fucking play Here's a War with this dude all the time, but I have never actually, like, sat in a room alone with him. What <laughs> the fuck do we talk about? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh... I, I, just, I just appreciate, too, and specifically when you have, like, romantic comedies, anytime that you can make it where the, the two main characters' worlds don't completely revolve around each other. And they're kind of more well-rounded yeah. characters beyond just their own relationship with each other. Um, and if, I feel like any time they do usually break away with other characters, it's just to make the other one jealous. And, you know, you know, being able to show them as more well-rounded characters that can have, like, friends and relationships outside of, you know, their crush is mm-hmm. makes it a much more interesting show. So, um, 
nice work on that. Good yeah. job, Kaguya. I Yay. continue to not watch you, but Gel <laughs> sure makes it sound like you're worth watching. It, it is. It is definitely worth checking out. So, all right. So that'll do it then for this episode. Um, I guess we can get to our housekeeping. You can uh, check out all of our content at theglorioblog.com. You can follow us on uh, Twitter at theglorioblog. We do have many more places to find the podcast now since last episode. Yay! So let's see if I Jill, I continue to do an extremely poor job of explaining it in the other podcasts. Okay. So you're going to need to clear things up for the listeners. So uh, yeah, I will do my best to explain because I, I don't know if I even remember it all at this point. I, we did, we did, uh. we did move <laughs> to uh, several, several other platforms. We basically moved podcast hosts from away from WordPress so that we could share in other places. Uh, so there is a new RSS feed. So if you are subscribed to that, you may need to subscribe again. I've heard conflicting stories on that. Uh, some people did need to subscribe. Some people didn't. But just double check uh, if you were already subscribed to the IRS or if you were subscribed in iTunes as well. Uh, just double check if, you, if you're not getting the latest episodes, you may need to resubscribe. Uh, we added, in addition, uh, the podcast is available in the Google Play Store and should be in the Google Podcast app. I don't have uh, a Android device, so I have not been able to te- personally test that myself, but theoretically that should be available there. We're also available in Spotify Podcasts, which is available in the Spotify app. You can just search the Glorio Chat and subscribe there. Uh, we're... Also, uh, we've been available in Podbean, but that is who our new host as well. So there is uh, like a new page for it. I don't think anything needs to be done on that if you were subscribed there. But again, with any of these, just double check. Make sure you're getting the latest episodes. And uh, of course, we're still on YouTube. That's unchanged. But please subscribe so we can get our URL on that. And I think. Yeah, you know, uh, like. I think I think it's like you know I think a lot of people are going to be like well why the fuck did we go through all this trouble but it's like look we had to rip off this bandaid eventually like, yes you know better we do it now when we only have like I don't know a cumulative like forty yeah 40, 50, fifty podcasts or instead of like a hundred yeah. or something so the longer we wait the worse it was going to get so at some point we just had, like yeah. G said rip the bandaid off. And, uh, you know, we should be in a much better position with more flexibility and what we can do with the podcast in the future as far as, you know, where we're sharing it and everything. So kind of had to happen at some point. So, again, check it out. iTunes, Google, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, any of those areas you can find us. So uh, I think that's pretty much it then. Uh, you know, tell your friends, tell your enemies. You know, check out G and Yaro's podcast about Legend of the Galactic Heroes. Watch, watch Legend yeah. of the Galactic Heroes. We got a, dive. We're almost done with season two. Uh, we got a, we got an interesting trio of episodes up yeah, ahead. Yeah, that was people. quite a block coming up for next and, week. And uh, you know, we're going to be doing. We're, we haven't figured out the details yet, but we are going to be doing our uh, our our second season end episode of uh, of the podcast soon. Th- this so, latest. Uh, Keep it easy. This block was up to episode 50. What is the season two end? Yes. 54. 54. Okay, yeah, so that's coming up pretty soon then, huh? All right. So look out for that, everybody. And uh, I think that's pretty much it then. So 
Thanks for listening, and we'll catch everybody next time. Bye. See you later. Bye.